No! <laughs> Good morning, E3. I am Pastor Mike, and today is Baptism Sunday, or we at E3 called the best day ever. And that is because in a little bit, we are going to be celebrating along an E3-er who has chosen to undergo the sacrament of baptism, where he will publicly commit in a very symbolic way to following Jesus for the rest of his life by being immersed under the waters. But before we get to the party part, you get the boring lecture part. And that's because I want to talk a little bit about the what and the why of baptism, especially if maybe you're new to faith or this whole shindig is a little strange, because it's going to be a very strange thing that we do to poor Judah today, if you don't understand the context of it. And it's an especially important event for those of us who already call Jesus our Lord. So to begin unpacking it, I want to start with this really fancy pants word, which is this word sacrament. Sacrament is an ancient term that's really defined in my mind by two key components. The first is mystery. A sacrament is one of these practices that we as Christians believe carry spiritual significance. And in a mystical way that really transcends our human understanding, uniquely has this power to invite us to experience a deeper reality through them. By engaging with something Otherwise, ordinary, we believe that in sacrament, we actually can experience the extraordinary with the right heart and the right mindset to it. So that's the first component, mystery. The second component is ritual. And rituals are pretty common. It's just a repeated set of movements. At their core, sacraments are rituals. And y'all, we all have rituals that serve a variety of purposes in our lives, do we not? For example... Some prepare us to do specific things. Who has a specific ritual for beginning their day? Who has just like five things that if you don't do first thing, you are going to be a grump? Anybody? Yeah, coffee. Everyone has coffee. But yeah, this is what one of the impacts of rituals, right? Another ritual that we use marks the beginning of an important moment in our lives. It marks a transition, the beginning or the ending of a season. For example, a wedding, a graduation, a funeral, right? This is us going through a set ritual that prepares us to really experience and to embrace something new or something closing. And another aspect about rituals, before we move on, is that we also need to remember that rituals are meant to be formative. We don't do rituals for no reason. We go through these rhythmic steps because they're meant to in some way teach or reshape us by doing them. No one learns to shoot free throws the same way over and over and over again unless they want to make what in a basketball game? Free throws. Guys, come on. <laughs> free throws. We go through rituals so we can learn something. We do specific movements like this so we can learn and internalize their patterns or the stories that they're teaching us symbolically. And that's what we're going to realize today because what I would posit for you today is that the sacraments encompass all of these components. In mysterious ways, they're meant to guide us through ritual, symbolic movements that make us uniquely present to the spiritual realities that already saturate our lives. And through that experience, they are meant to reshape us in profound ways. Hold that thought. Now, at E3, 
we hold that there are two essential sacraments that Jesus commanded the church to practice as a community together regularly. The first is communion or the Eucharist, the breaking of bread, the drinking of wine that commemorates Jesus' death on the cross, which we practice monthly at E3. And then the second is what we have come here today to celebrate, which is baptism. Where, like I said, we are going to immerse Judah in water and then bring him out on the other side. Promise he's not going to drown. So that's the core what of sacrament and baptism. But how about the why? Why does the church practice this strange ritual of immersion baptism? Well, there are some simple reasons and then some more existential abstract ones that I find more interesting, but both are found in Scripture. So we're going to breeze through the simple ones real quick because they're simple, right? First, we practice baptism because Jesus modeled it. Jesus began his ministry by undergoing baptism from this guy called John the Baptist, who used baptism to signify that someone was committing themselves to the renewal movement of God, his kingdom, and his people. So Jesus chose to be baptized, declaring his commitment to God's rescue story. And as his disciples, seeking to follow his example, we thus choose to do so as well. Pretty simple, right? Second, this one's even more simple. We practice baptism because Jesus told us to, which is a very good reason to do just about anything, right? At least if you're a Christian, I hope you think that. (laughs) After he's resurrected, we see in Matthew and the other gospels that Jesus commissions his disciples to go into the world sharing his good news story and baptizing those who want to enter into that story themselves. Again, pretty simple. And then third, we practice baptism because in the New Testament, it is intimately tied to joining the global church community. The early church used this ritual to mark that someone had chosen to enter into the body of Christ in the world, and thus we continue that practice today. All pretty simple, right? Well, this is the fun part, because you see there's also these deeper, more abstract reasons given for why the church practices baptism in Scripture. Reasons that revolve around what stories this ritual embodies and thus invites those who undergo it into. And also how those stories can and should reshape our lives. And these reasons center around another word that we find connected to baptism throughout the New Testament. And that's this really scary church word, repentance. Who went to college and had a guy with a sign yelling, repent? (laughs) Am I the only one? as a 20-year-old atheist, I did not like that. (laughs) We all heard this word before, right? Repent. And yet, what I would posit also today is that repent is a far more interesting word than you probably think it is. You see, we see repentance and baptism connected at multiple times. For example, John the Baptist challenges the audience to repent and be baptized. Or in Acts, Peter instructs those who want to follow Jesus to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And this is just so critical to understand. So we're going to unpack both these words. First, that scary one, repent. Powerful word in Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament. You see, the word translated repent is actually metanoia. Can you guys say that with me? Metanoia. And metanoia is a fascinating word. It's really two words joined together. The first is meta, which means to change. And noia, which means one's mind. Metanoia, to change one's mind. 
And it's such a powerful term. It's so much more than just what we think about on a daily basis. And it's certainly a lot more than stop doing bad things in your life. Though, a proper metanoia will lead to a change of behavior. You see, what metanoia actually means is it implies the total transformation of one's entire framework for reality. It's to adopt an entirely new story about who you are, who other people are, how reality works, how the world should work, who God is. It is a complete change of your vision of what this is and what this place is all about. That's metanoia. So first, metanoia, change your understanding of everything and then be baptized. And y'all, this one's super easy. In Greek, this is baptismo, which simply means to be immersed or saturated. So, like when I go swimming with my daughter at Wakulla Springs and I go underwater, I'm getting baptized. Or when I go doing dishes and I saturate the sponge underwater, I am literally, in Greek, baptizing that sponge. It's a pretty simple word. It's not as complex as metanoia. But when you combine all this together, I think you start getting something quite powerful out of what it is that we're doing today. In baptism, the symbolic, mysterious, spiritual ritual, a person publicly declares that they are choosing to commit themselves to Jesus and his kingdom movement in the world, recognizing that in doing so, they're gonna have to surrender the story they hold about themselves, others, God, reality itself, our world, in order to be immersed in an entirely different one from that day forth. But what different story are they being immersed and saturated with? And this is where I start to geek out about Baptism Sunday. You see, I think there are three critical stories embodied within this ritual that hold the potential to truly transform one's life. The first two are encapsulated in Jesus' baptism story. We read in Mark chapter 1, verse 9, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Now, there is so much going on here. I could do entire, I actually have done entire sermons on just this scene. But for today, I just want to highlight two stories playing out within this scene. The first story, I think, is deeply personal. What does God call Jesus as he arises from the waters? You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Quiz time. Has Jesus done anything yet to earn this statement in his ministry? No. No healings, no teachings. He has certainly not gone to the cross yet. All to say that what we see here is that before Jesus does anything to earn anything, God speaks over him, you are my beloved child with whom I am pleased. Simply put, 
as we go through this practice like Jesus did in baptism, we find that we are partaking in a story that embodies a core truth of the gospel, which is our unearned belovedness in God's eyes. Baptism reminds us that in Jesus' story, our identities as God's children are fundamentally defined by grace, the inherent value of all people and lavish love from God. So as Judah comes out of the water today, what is spoken over him? You are my beloved, whom I love. That is the foundational story that he takes into the world. He does not go into the world to earn that story. Are y'all tracking with me? Powerful stuff. There's actually a second, more subtle story playing out in the scene too. And I want you to think of the broad movements of Jesus' baptism story. God's child passes through water before being led into a wilderness where he is tested for 40 days. Bible trivia, who knows what critical Old Testament story mirrors that movement exactly? Boom, the Exodus story. Who knows Moses? For those who don't know, the Exodus story is the central story of Israel. God's children are enslaved in Egypt until without them doing anything to earn it, God liberates and leads them through the waters of the Red Sea after which they are tested in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus symbolically replays this story in his baptism account. So what's the second story that baptism embodies? It's a story of God's liberation. The story about how this God of grace is committed to freeing his children from the shackles of bondage that evil places on their lives. Through Jesus, what baptism does is it invites us to be immersed in that liberation story too. It invites us to go through our own exodus journey, where by grace our God frees us from what keeps us enslaved under tyranny. Powerful stuff, right? But there's one more story I want to cover today. And we actually find this one in Romans chapter six, where Paul writes, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through glory of the Father, we too may live a what? A new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, the last story that I think baptism embodies is the story of new life, death, resurrection. Here, what we see is that Paul describes a Christian as someone who does more than simply reflects on Christ's story of death and resurrection. No, they are someone who actually claims Christ's story of death and resurrection as their own story. And I think Paul's writing here is just beautiful. He says that in baptism, a person marks the beginning of this process. They go under the water, symbolically joining in Christ's death on a cross, and they rise from it, symbolically embracing Christ's resurrection, not as just an event that happened in history, but as their own story on the other side. In other words, Paul describes baptism as this public proclamation whereby in choosing to live into Jesus' story, a person declares that they are truly allowing their old self and story to not just stop there, but to be crucified and buried 
so that Christ's story can be resurrected as their own as they rise from the water. Paul says that's the pathway to new life, to profound transformation. And y'all, I think he's right. When we're immersed with these core stories of Jesus' belovedness, liberation, death, resurrection, when those become our stories, I think that can change everything. I mean, just ask yourself, is there a space in your life where you hold a different story than unearned belovedness? That you're worthless, that you need to earn your love in this world, that there's never enough for you. How would a story of inherent belovedness radically transform how you think about yourself, others, God, your space in this world? Or maybe there's a space where you're in bondage or you feel like you're going under, undergoing what feels like death, addiction, resentment, despair, grief, failure, brokenness that you just can't get away from no matter how hard you try. What would being immersed in a story of liberation from chains and a God who does that for his children before they do anything to earn it, what might that do in your life? Or maybe there's simply a space in your life that needs newness, a fresh start, a new story, because the old story that you have held for years has only left you feeling beat down, sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Has anyone been there before? Don't you think a story of resurrection from what you call death might change how you engage that area of your life? Anybody? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> Baptism speaks directly into these wilderness spaces, y'all. It reminds us that in such spaces, Jesus is not absent. He is offering us a new story of reality, one defined by a God whom in love was crucified and resurrected for us. A story of grace, liberation, belovedness, a story that invites us to look at our failures, our losses, our griefs, those things that we call death, and to see that by God's power, such spaces can become the ground for new resurrection life. That changes everything if that is your framework for how this place works. That's what baptism means to me. This choice to adopt Lord Jesus' story of belovedness, liberation, death, resurrection from this day forward. And that's what I believe Judah Coffey is doing today as he publicly embraces this new status as the disciple of Jesus committed to his kingdom. But one final note, and I want to speak this over everyone, but particularly I would want Judah to hear this. None of this means that Judah is going to be perfect from this day forward. It just means that today he comes acknowledging his need for a new story in his life. The acceptance of his identity as a beloved son. The desire to surrender to the God of freedom and grace and the willingness to be immersed in Christ's death and resurrection so that he can find new life on the other side. What a gift. What grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with that, I'm going to shut up. And we're going to actually get to hear from Judah right now in a video that he pre-recorded. He's going to talk about what this journey has been like for him and ultimately what today means for his life.